Welcome back to the Two Stewards Show. We are now in the third episode on this little mini-series on sound money. We've talked about uh, how we got to our current system, the fiat system, and how that money is unsound. But now we want to talk about how that uh, impacts our standard of living and how uh, one person's gain can be another person's loss and whether or not that is actually a fallacy. And uh, we do take a trip to the Tower of London, so stay tuned. All right, folks, welcome back to the Two Stewards Show. And uh, we're going to conclude our mini-series on sound money and talk a little bit more about how that relates to real estate investing. Um, So we've talked about the properties of money, the properties of sound money, we talked about fiat money, which is like our current, uh, the current standard that we have, dollars. And um, I think we've demonstrated that fiat money is, is, is basically unsound, right? It leads to like the slow, continuous bleeding of wealth. Um, it leads to a decline in the standard of living in general. Um, and yeah, Brent, we talked about this. What, like, what would you say... Uh, qualifies as the standard of living how do we measure that oh so why are we talking about the standard of living (laughs) we got a street cleaner outside we got your phone going off um yeah so we've come full circle now we've talked about um the characteristics of money and how um gold for instance in the in the past has been um has exhibited like these qualities that we call sound money, right? Mm-hmm. They have uh, good durability, um, portability, divisibility, uh, uniformity, uh, limited supply. So scarcity, that was a big one. Um, and then recognizability, right? Like we can accept it. So um, we've kind of delved into that. And then um, as we look at fiat money, like you said, our current system, we have money that really is just by government decree, mm-hmm. right? So then... Um, it doesn't necessarily exhibit all the same properties that gold or other monetary technologies have throughout the past. Yeah. Um, and I think we wanted to bring up Bitcoin just as um, to reference it off the top of the show because um, that's that is a monetary technology that has come up in the last you know fifteen years. Yeah. And a lot of people um, are into different cryptocurrencies and have. Uh, different degrees of knowledge around Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And I think this is a topic we want to get into uh, in the future Yeah. on different episodes. But just to touch on it now, um, Bitcoin is in many ways a monetary technology, just like gold or fiat would be. Um, but it exhibits uh, different characteristics than uh, gold or fiat. Yeah. So you can kind of rate each currency uh, or each technology based on um, all these characteristics. So we'll pull a screen up uh, or pull a thing up on the screen for those of you who are watching. Um, we just have gold, Bitcoin, and fiat compared to each mm-hmm. other uh, across all these different categories. So durability, portability, fungibility, and whatnot. And we go down the list, <clears throat> and you can see that... Um, Every, every item's got a rating. So it's an A+. Plus, you know, that means it's very durable. So gold falls under that category. It's very durable monetary technology. Um, whereas fiat money, the money that we have now, the Canadian mm-hmm. dollars and U.S. dollars, um, that's not very durable. Like we're, we're printing coin or like, you know, paper money and uh, we have coins and like you can lose them and they deteriorate over time. And 
you constantly have to replace it. So, um, well, and, and inflation. Yeah, and inflation. Even if, <laughs> I think that goes down to the scarcity, it. right? <laughs> it does, but I, to me, it's also the durability. Yeah. Like eventually, if you're holding a hundred bucks, eventually that'll go down to zero or like one cent. Yeah. So to me, that's not very durable either. No. Well, yeah, and that's the scarcity. So anyways, maybe uh, you got to watch this podcast from now on because uh, <laughs> we got some valuable information on the screen. Um, but we don't have to go through all these. It's hard to hard to get a sense for our listeners of what, what's actually going on. But um, basically, no monetary technology is perfect, right? Yeah. Like gold, gold has worked really well in the past, but it also has failings and flaws. Um, fiat money um, is working... For the last 50 years is not working very well in yeah. a lot of different areas um so there's there's different items that um uh, will score highly for one currency and very poorly for another and our job i guess uh, is to analyze all the different options out there mm-hmm. options for monetary technology and to make a decision to say which one will store my wealth or store the value of my time into the future, the best and for the longest, like you said, most durable, but also be portable that I can take it somewhere. Also yeah. be scalable so I can buy different things. So, uh, this chart does a good example and maybe we'll link it in the show notes too. So people can take a quick look, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the, the point is when you have wealth or even if you don't like you have to steward it wisely. That's the whole point of our podcast, right? Um, how are you stewarding what you have? So you have to kind of evaluate the current system. And then what do you do with that? Like, how do you, um, if we know that fiat money is unsound, then probably, I don't know, maybe, can we get out of that system? Right now we can't exit the system, right? There's a few <laughs> options. There's gold. You could um, be a hermit. Right? Yeah, you could. You Just... could. But, that's, but again, that's not really stewarding. It's not stewardly. No. Right? The point of wealth um, the point of, of, of having money, having wealth is not just for you. And we've talked about, you know, our consumeristic, uh, society, our very inward facing society. And when you do things, it's for you, right? Yeah. And like that's not biblical, right? We have gifts. God gives us gifts and he expects us to, some of those return right back to him. Uh, some of it goes to other people, right? There's clear biblical mandates to support the widow, support the orphan, yeah. support the poor. And that, that, you know, it doesn't say pay your taxes so that the government can do those things. It says like you do them, right? And obviously we have a different framework than, uh, than maybe we had in, in the time of Jesus or even in the Old Testament. But um, the, the principles still apply. So to your point about being a hermit, like that's not, to me, that's not a good response, right? People will say, um, I'm just not going to participate in this system, right? Yeah. As, as a Christian response to the corruption of money and like a lot of the things that we've talked about, but I don't think that's a, that's a particularly stewardly approach either. We have to work with what we have, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. So don't ignore the system. You're in it. You have to use it and you still have to, meet your obligations towards other people, towards your family, uh, and just towards being responsible in general. Yeah. Right. What does that look like? Yeah. Um, well you asked me about standard of living and so far we haven't touched on that at all. Um, sorry about that. Well, 
I was trying to get to that. Um, and then I jumped in. <laughs> <laughs> I jumped in too. So, um, yeah, because basically if you have unsound money, which is what we do have, um, you end up with a decline in standard of living. And we wanted to just kind of speak briefly about what standard of living is and um, explain kind of what has happened over the course of history too. Um, just to give perspective on what what the current standard of living is and what we can expect moving forward. So I guess like standard of living can, you can look at it in, in economic terms, right? Yep. Like how, how much GDP or, um, you know, yeah. Oh, not GDP. GDP, it's what is that? Terrible measure. Like gross domestic product. product yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's an important one. Uh, so I don't, I don't like GDP as a measure of anything really because it includes government spending. Yeah, so it's and kind it of can skewed. be well. What we're doing with immigration is we're raising GDP, but we're not raising like uh, like an efficiency yeah. uh, measure. We're just raising raising the actual. If there's more people in the country, your GDP will be higher. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's better for anybody. That doesn't mean the standard of living has gone up. The amount has just gone up. Right. So we don't like that metric. But I don't. I mean, yeah, you can if you I, want. I don't really. Now that you say that, I'm like, God, I got to look at this again. <laughs> well, because the government government will, will trump it. Like, we've raised GDP. Right. It's like, you've just raised the total amount of money yeah. sloshing around. It's right. not any better for anybody, yeah. and it's actually worse. Yeah. In terms of standard of living. <laughs> okay, so we've knocked that one off. <laughs> standard of living is declining, even when it comes to GDP. Uh, even if GDP is going up. Standard of living still goes down. Um, I guess another thing is to like uh, we were talking about a little bit earlier, but like um, so personal satisfaction, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that a bit more, but um, no, I don't believe in it. No. <laughs> you were just saying. <laughs> well, you got to well, go on two vacations a year. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got to have a nice car that doesn't break down. Um, you can you can make an argument for a car that doesn't break down. Does it have to be nice? Yeah, I don't know, yeah. but uh, no, like yeah, personal satisfaction is is often part of how we de- define standard of living. Yeah, and I don't think it really needs to be or should be because that's not always how. Well, we I guess have... you could put into that like health, right? Yeah. So like level of education, yeah. like how how have you um, got to where you are? Like yeah, are are you? Yeah, you might be, uh, you might have lots of food for your family, but your back might be pretty sore, <laughs> right? And that that kind of dec- like uh, is a direct um, impact on your standard of living moving forward. Like you might be in a good spot now, but you, your health might be shot because yeah. Uh, yeah, you had to work hard. Yeah, although I mean, we have we have better access to healthcare now, right? And if like we talked about now this as compared well, compared to what. Compared to any time in history. So I was going to say, because like five years ago, I feel like it would probably have better access than now. But Yeah, and so that's, that's maybe an interesting um, uh, correlation to fiat money and the decline of our standard of living. So when you look, like if you zoom out over history, over thousands of years, right? We have it better than we have ever had. Like yeah, everybody okay. on the planet in general um, has a much, much higher standard of living. Right, the the number of people living in abject poverty, less than two dollars a day, has decreased. So that's greatly. what abject poverty is. Um, yeah, I don't we, quote me on it, but I yeah. think it's around two bucks a day is like, you know, abject, two bucks yeah. in today's dollars or two bucks. 
<laughs> yeah, two, two, two fiat dollars. Two fiat um, dollars. <laughs> no, and then like it goes up from there. Then you go up to like $50 a day or $10 a day, which yeah. to us is still still poor, but it's it's above subsist, subsistence yeah. in a lot of countries. But Which is making what you need to live, right? Just Yeah. Yeah. Like you go out, you work in the field, you get what you need to live, and then... So basically, could, so you're yeah. not starving. Yeah. Right. And right. that's like, that's the, the base. So the, people, you're saying people like, whatever, I don't know how many hundred years ago, but everybody used to be in this case. Yeah. I mean, or the vast majority of the population on the globe was in more or less in abject, abject poverty. Yeah. And yeah. So they were either starving or barely at subsistence. Right. And, um, yeah, if you compare the population, as a percentage now to then, it's completely different, right? Yeah. The standard of living overall has has increased dramatically. And even if we, um, if you look at how kings and queens lived, right? You talked about the Tower of London. Yeah, yeah. Right, what that, what that was <laughs> well, like. Well, I was able to visit that, and that to me was like, okay, this is a historical building in uh, London, England, and it's like, you know, kings and queens lived here, or whatever, nobility. And uh, you walk through and see all like it's a museum, right? They have all yeah. the jewels and the like armor from that time period. But it's like these are the best luxuries that they had for the royalty in Europe, whatever. And then, like, yeah, you go to their bedroom and it's just like a stone room with a little fireplace in the corner. And like, yeah, this is where they would have slept. And it's like, <laughs> what? No glass in the window, like no air circulation, no, no nothing, right? And it's like, wow um talk about standard of living back then versus now but um, yeah and and uh yeah like we went to versailles and it's you know very ornate and lush and stuff but still there was no running water um you just think of hygiene and sanitation and healthcare and all that stuff so we even compared to royalty back then most people yeah uh, on the planet have better access and just have a better standard of living in in that in those terms yeah right and so we kind of we can see that as a result of the industrial revolution and technology um and yeah cause how the, did that come about exactly right like um you know if you're living in a stone castle and like no running water and no bathrooms and no glass in your windows and no heat or whatever yeah to now like let's frame this in the monetary uh, conversation <laughs> <laughs> tie it back to money here um yeah i mean i i think um technology is probably the the bigger defining thing technology and trade right but More what trade. allows technology to advance and i think that's where money comes in right because yeah. the formulation of capital and that's um like maybe we'll go ahead and let you talk about technology and trade first. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. It's tied together, right? You yeah. can have all that, but in order to have trade, yeah, that's useful. You need to have an agreed upon standard standard of of money, and gold was that for, yeah. for quite a while, right? Yeah. Um, and then eventually, and so to the extent that the the monetary standard is stable and reliable mm-hmm. and predictable and uh, holds its value, so to that extent, you can build your trade on it's like building your house on a foundation of you know sand right yeah if you yeah if you build your whole eco ecosystem and your economic system off of you know some uh, monetary standard that's uh, gonna just inflate away um, all the institutions that you 
are working to build are eventually just going to lose their foundation and fall out from underneath you. Yeah. Ooh, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> as deep as a basement. <laughs> um, and we've talked about time preference in the past, right? Lowering your time preference. So you can't really think far ahead if you're focused on subsistence. Right. Right. Because you're just worried about your next meal. Yeah. And um, so you you can't really make your life a lot better because you just don't have the luxury of, uh, of having the time to do that. If all your time is focused on subsistence, on just getting food for today, right? And then as if your standard living goes up, um, maybe you can focus on a week from now or maybe you can focus on... And like we see this in a lot of countries where they're able now to, with a little bit of help, maybe send their kids to school so they can buy books and clothing for their children so that they can attend school. And that's like very long-term thinking now because this is, the kid's going like, to have eight or 12 years. Why are you not years. in the field making food? Exactly, right? You have kids so that they can help you find food <clears throat> and feed the family. But if you're going to send one to school, then, uh, you know, long-term thinking, right? Yeah, eventually this will pay back and the kid will have enough knowledge to be able to come back and, um, you know, massively improve our methods of doing things or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So hmm. as your time preference uh, um, gets, uh, I always get it backwards. Lower. It gets lower. Um, Higher is I want it now. Yeah, that's right, yeah. High time preference. I want things now, urgent. Yeah, yeah. so less urgency at least uh, generally so. will, <laughs> <laughs> you know, barring other, you know, bad uh, lifestyle choices will lead to better economic uh, situation for people. Yeah. And then that has that snowball effect, right? And then as we can specialize and people, we talked about this with the mill and, and with stuff, right? As people are able to specialize, that improves everybody's standard of living and then leads to further specialization if you can have stable trade where all that specialization, which you know we've seen to some extent, right? Where China became the de facto manufacturer because they specialized in making goods cheaply. Yeah. And you know, whole other topic, I guess, <laughs> right? Was that a good idea? No, because now we're seeing more nationalism and people bring manufacturing back in-house. But that's just one example yeah. of how, um, in general, if you have a decent system, you can improve everybody's standard of living. Okay, so that ties into something else we wanted to talk about, which is zero sum. Yeah. Because sound like standard of living is kind of just, well, we just want to touch on that because we talked about, we always talk about the decline in standard of living, right? Yeah. If stuff is inflating away or your money doesn't go as far, I guess that's another way to say it, right? Like if yeah. you have money in the bank and you can't buy something because it, the price has gone up um, due to inflation, uh, that decreases your standard of living. So, okay. So we've covered that. Um, zero sum. I just have that on my notes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that, that, that always like, it's hard for me to understand when I read it. I see like, this is a zero sum whatever. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, it's hard for me to wrap yeah, my head yeah. around until I think about it. And then I'm like, okay, because... Maybe I'll let you. <laughs> well, it's like a mathematical problem where yeah. when you work it out, it always works <clears throat> ends zero. up back at zero. Net so zero. all the sum of all the parts is is kind of uh, is kind of zero. So if you're talking about like the economic pie, yeah, um, 
is it there there's this idea that very buyer economic pie i guess i mean that wouldn't be very tasty yeah i don't mind blueberry pie is not bad yeah Yeah, but but (laughs) (laughs) But the idea is that there is this so you're saying there's an economic pie with no ice cream on it yes okay not yet okay not yet we can oh we're talking about that yeah as we (laughs) specialize we can add ice cream okay get the dairy farmer in hey this is a good (laughs) we should start a podcast i'm hungry (laughs) um but yeah, so the, the pie, <laughs> if we can talk about this, is yes. a certain size. And that so if somebody has a bigger slice of that pie, and I'm just talking about, you know, in terms of dollars, yeah, that means they must be taking some of that from somebody else. Right. Right? There's only X amount of dollars to go around or X amount of wealth, however you want to frame it, so that if somebody is a millionaire, that means they are d- treading on poor people directly because they've taken either that money directly from them or the opportunities from those people yeah, to Yeah, okay, cuz that seems their... pretty logical, right? It's like, well, uh because we you and I have talked about like how much money is out there, right? Like we talked yeah. about the supply of money. So, yep. if you if you take this logically, it's like, okay, the government puts out so much money and that's how much money there is, right? Yeah. So, if you have a million and I have like 10, which could be true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then like, yeah, you have money that maybe I should have or whatever. There is no more money to get because there is only so much. Yeah. So how would you. Yeah. So like that? basically like, it's true? a fallacy. It's not, it's not true at all. Okay. So why um, is that not true? So when, <laughs> when you look at, you know, societies, as they grow and engage in trade, because trade is the primary creator of wealth, um, everybody gets wealthier. And you just have to look at the world today versus the, what we're talking about, standard of living, right? How almost everybody in the world has a better standard of living now than people did 100 years ago or 500 years ago in terms of you know healthcare, life expectancy, uh, even just the dollars in their pockets. Like the pie has grown. Right. And the that, pie is not the same size as it was 100 years ago, which you would expect that that's, that's all it would be. And you would still have kings and queens, so like 0.0001% of the population with good access to money yeah. and, and the benefits of society. But that's, it's not true. Yeah. And even for the people who are poor, their standard of living has gone up. So the pie has increased. So we can increase wealth in general yeah. um, through you know, through trade and through sound, uh, sound money practices. Um, so what that means is, you know, we often talk about the redistribution of wealth or especially socialists will talk about that, right? All these billionaires, um, like it used to be millionaires. Now they're really hitting the billionaires and soon it'll be the trillionaires, right? But we have to redistribute the wealth from them to the poor people because it morally it's wrong that they have that much money because they must have taken it from these people. And that's the, the idea that there's only, that's the zero sum game that there's only so much money. It can never grow. We're like, no, that mathematical equation is wrong because the actual answer continues to grow and grow and grow and get bigger. And there is more for everyone. Yeah. So I guess, uh, maybe, uh, an illustration to tie this in together with time preferences um, in Saifedean's book, The Bitcoin Standard, he talks about time preference a little bit. He talks about um, 
two guys that go out fishing mm-hmm. and the one guy, I think it's his book anyways. Um, the one guy, you know, spends his whole day fishing and with his hands, he's trying to catch a fish and he gets enough to eat. And the other guy does the same thing. But eventually the guy, the one guy says, you know, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to spend six hours out of my eight hours, uh, fishing with my hands. I'm going to spend two hours building a fishing rod Mm -hmm. or doing something that does not relate to immediate consumption, but, um, will produce some, some thing that I can use to improve my, uh, chances of getting a fish. So, so he's taking a risk there. So he's taking a risk. He's, he's reducing his time preference and his time, really his capital is time yeah and like labor yeah so all he's got is his time he's just working he's trying to get a fish and so after maybe two weeks he's built this fishing rod right and maybe he doesn't have as much to eat maybe he's a little bit hungry because he's made that risk and he's kind of sacrificed for those two weeks Mm -hmm. to get you know 80 percent of the fish that he would have got um but now he has a fishing rod so now he can spend half as much time fishing and get the same amount of fish, right? So now what does he do with the rest of his time while he builds a boat? So now after maybe a year, he's got a boat and a fishing rod Mm -hmm. and he can go out into places where that other guy can't even go. Like the other guy's still fishing with his hands, right? And he's just like, what are you wasting your time making this thing? Like, you know, why are you wasting your time? Uh, we got to turn the cameras back on. Why are you wasting your time building a boat or building a fishing rod when that actually doesn't produce anything for you? Right. And, uh, but little does he know the other guy's going out in his boat with his fishing rod all across the lake and catching fish that the other guy's never even seen. Right. And, uh, those fish might even have more nutritional value. Like they, like he might even, he might be able to fish for like, you know, one day and catch enough fish he needs for a month or a year. Um, so that <laughs> Mark's running around trying to get the camera set up. Um, but yeah, so that basically um, kind of ties these all together because we have time preference, which that's an exhibition or exhibit. That's an example of low time preference, right? You're sacrificing um, your current like satisfying your current needs in the, yep. in the present for fat satisfying them better in the future. It's also like an exercise in building capital goods, like goods that you can't consume that you can use to produce goods that you can consume. And yep. it's an example of the, what we were just talking about zero sum and standard of living, because um, like if you have a, a pie, that's a certain size and there's only so many fish out there. Well, now all of a sudden you got a fishing rod and no, there's actually more fish. And then you've got a boat and there's, well, there's actually fish that I've never even seen before. Yeah. Right. And, and so you're actually through what you called like economic production and trade and, um, you know, building capital goods, basically you're, you're finding and discovering new things that you never knew existed. And that's, I think a lot of what technology, technological development is, right. Is, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have an iPhone now. And on the iPhone, there's a lot of apps that maybe like a compass, we would have had a compass before, but now it's digital. But there's also a ton of different things that we never would have even dreamed of, right? And if somebody didn't spend their time not finding food and eating it and building the iPhone, like, 
you know, where, where would we be? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, that's capitalism, right? Yeah. So capitalism is not the system we have now because the government is too, mm. has their fingers in it yeah. like way too far. But that, that's the idea that you, you build up capital and then you risk that capital and it starts smaller, gets bigger and bigger. So the guy who has now, he's got access to different fish. Yeah. So right? maybe he sells them to the other guy. Yeah. So, well, and so in maybe this case, he he's doing all this stuff um, and maybe getting wealthier or at least improving his standard of living. Um, yeah, because now he can go out one day and sit on the beach for the rest of the year. Yeah, but the the other guy, he hasn't taken anything away from that guy. No, he's still got. He's his done thing. nothing wrong to him, but the the pie, the economic pie, has improved. So now he can either get other fish, or he can spend some time maybe uh, growing some corn or wheat, yeah. right? And like diversify their food sources so he can be healthier, live longer. He can start a family. Yeah, maybe one can, of his kids becomes a boat builder and yeah. sells boats to tell the other. <laughs> exactly, and he can trade with other other villages because now Sounds instead like a, of having the same fish that everybody has access to along the shore that you can catch with your hands, he's got some f deep sea fish or maybe he's got wheat or he's yeah. got other things that he can now trade and that leads for other people to be able to specialize. And, yeah. and like all of that is done at no harm to the first guy right. who's just catching fish with his hands still. Yeah. It's okay. and comparatively he is more poor than the other people. Yeah. But that's through no wrongdoing of the you know, of the, the people who are doing these other things who yeah. have taken the time to to risk that. So and in fact his life will probably be better because he's gonna see some maybe he can still trade some of those fish for some grain or yeah. some berries or whatever, right? Yeah, so you're you're not really negatively impacting him in any way. You're actually producing opportunities for him yeah. and potential that he never would have had on his own. Yeah. Right. That sounds like a world I want to live in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you know, to some extent that is the world we live in. Right? Yeah. We have all these opportunities to do. We've come a long way since building fishing rods and boats and. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have all these opportunities to do things that uh, like that. I never would have thought of myself, yeah. but somebody else is like, Hey, here's a way you can make money. It's like, Oh, Oh, that's pretty cool or like yeah. like real estate right yeah. what we're talking about you know i don't have any sort of original thoughts around real estate generally yeah, yeah. i've learned things from nothing other is, people who have already done it nothing new and, under the sun here mark yeah well <laughs> once in a while you get someone who comes up with something brand new and it's like whoa that's really cool yeah. but in general um there's just so many opportunities that you just need to pick something and like put your nose to the grindstone yeah. and uh do it and you have the opportunity to to succeed yeah um and be a good steward really <laughs> right well no that that is the uh that is kind of the whole point yeah um so we've talked about um you know our money system being unsound some alternatives right we've got gold which is, has been a fairly popular one over the years and there's a lot of gold bugs out there um and then we've we've touched on Bitcoin, which you know we'll get into that later. Uh, but like, what do you do right here and now? And you know, there's a real estate podcast. We're in real estate, yeah. and real estate is one way that we have found to really use the system that we have and be able to steward your wealth or, or wealth wisely through investments in real estate. So without yeah. doing anything, you know. Um, <clears throat> 
anything super shocking. We can work within the current the context of the current system. To yeah, um, I don't. So real estate is uh, a powerful tool. Um, I still see there's so much potential out there in all these different ways. Right? We have to acknowledge that there's all kinds of different investments and um, in particular business. Like if you start your own business and invest your money and your time in mm -hmm. a business, um, like the reward can be very great, right? Yeah. Um, where real estate really comes in is when like you don't have the time to just, you know, quit your job and start a business or, you know, maybe you're not entrepreneurial by, you know, by nature. Yeah. Um, or you're a little bit more risk averse and, um, and that's where real estate starts to make more and more sense. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and part of the reason it makes sense is because like you said, you're using the system, uh, to work for you, but the incentives, um, what am I going to try to say like the incentives behind the system, uh, is to take on debt. Right. And we talked about that and real estate is like this perfect kind of, um, option to be able to get, get good debt and yep. own a, own a scarce asset. Right. Because if you have, if you have unsound money, which is what we do have, um, the biggest problem with fiat, uh, system, especially if you saw this chart earlier was the, the, uh, the scarcity of it. Right. So yeah. it is, it's got an F over here for scarcity. Um, and this is just, somebody made this up, but basically saying like, we don't have, um, like any scarcity when it comes to the money that we save in. So people are looking for scarce things they can hold on to. Mm -hmm. So that's a prudent response, right? It's like, you know, I work so hard. I make all this money and I, I put it in, fiat dollars and it just evaporates because the money supply goes up. So I'm trying to find scarce alternatives and real estate is one of them, right? Um, like they just don't make more of it. So once you hold it, you're like, okay, um, you know, I, I value this, uh, holding this more than my fiat dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> no, but that, that, that is the point, right? That's sort of one of the ways to either get out of the system or to at least limit our exposure to the current system that we have. So don't keep your wealth in dollars because they're going to evaporate. Uh, put it in a scarce asset like like real estate. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, we, we can talk about some of the alternatives, gold and Bitcoin as well. But, you know, even if you are in some of those alternatives, you're not going to put a hundred percent of your wealth in there, right? That's probably not uh, super prudent either. Um, and it depends on the, the stage of life that you're at, right? You probably, you don't want to be a hundred percent in real estate either, but if you're young and getting started in real estate, like most of your wealth is going to be concentrated in real estate. That's just how it is, right? Yeah. You're taking a bit of a risk there, but I think we've demonstrated that, real estate is a prudent enough investment that um like it's it's safe if you uh, if you're prudent and invest wisely um it is a safe investment you look you got something on your uh, tip of your tongue there <laughs> i don't know about that i have uh <clears throat> i'm i'm looking through this book the fiat standard and i'm um the uh i don't know what i'm talking about to be honest sorry I had something here. Okay. Well, I mean, there, there is, a, I have heard the argument that like the government could expropriate your property. 
right? Which is, yeah, I guess that's a valid <clears throat> argument, right? We're living in the West. It's not as much of a, um, a, a threat, I suppose, but you could see something in the foreseeable future where that could happen. So all of your wealth is just like, it's gone. And it, you know, this has happened in third world sort of second world developing countries as well, where the government has uh, expropriated yeah. land. Here, generally, you would get a financial reward for it. Um, but yeah, in some countries, uh, no, they'll just take it and that's it, right? Yeah, okay. So I had this a comment right now in this book. Uh, success in fiat means accumulating larger negative cash balances. And people live their entire lives stacking debt obligations upon themselves. So he's making the argument that in order to be successful under this current fiat regime yep. that we live under, you need to accumulate larger, larger negative cash balances. That yes. doesn't make sense, does it? Or it does uh, make sense, but it, it, shouldn't, does make sense. it shouldn't be the way it is. <laughs> it shouldn't. So talk about zero sum. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we've talked about this before, right? When this I get negative. a mortgage, yeah. that's a, it's a negative uh, cash balance. But what, what that does is dilutes your savings. Right. Right. And anytime I create new money through mortgages specifically, because we're talking about real estate, um, if you have money saved up, I get that mortgage that increases the money supply and it dilutes the value of your savings. Yeah. Right. And this is going to happen, whether you like it or not, through. Well, because uh, he's lending. saying that that's the incentive of the system, right? Like it's, it is. Yeah. You want to stack debt obligations upon yourself. Like yeah. you spend your entire life trying to get good debt, basically. Debt that good debt, yeah. yeah. Not credit card debt not bad. for no. things that depreciate. But like you're rewarded by getting debt kind yeah. of thing. Absolutely. Like that that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Or it, it does it, make sense. <laughs> it doesn't, but that that is the system we're in, right? Yeah. Um and we have to protect ourselves against yeah, the dilution of our our, our savings, right? Through you know, so new creation of uh, mortgages aside right the other way that government does it is through deficit spending right and like we know that's going to continue to happen right there's no chance that it will not that that will stop yeah so right? they spend Until, more than um spend more than they make and they, yeah, they make and that's, money through taxes yeah and that's part of modern modern monetary theory is like that's fine as long as inflation doesn't get out of hand which we kind of see how that hasn't worked out too well but deficit spending is fine just because a theory, that's Mark. A yeah <laughs> how's that working out um but deficit spending is just a necessary part of of growing gdp and this is why yeah. i have such a issue with um the measure of gdp and right. stuff right but that like that's just how our economy works and it's fine maybe we'll as have long to get into that next time talk in about perpetuity GDP yeah gdp a bit more yeah yeah so yeah gross domestic product which is the measure of all the economic activity in a um in a generally in a country so yeah. maybe we should have said that before but um yeah that that's it is what it is so you can either ignore that this is going that governments will continue to deficit spend increase the money supply and dilute your the value of your your dollars well, and the penalty can, the penalty for ignoring that is is basically the value of your um wealth just disappears or yeah. evaporates over time right exactly and, and the rate at which it evaporates or um you said dilutes like um increases yeah yeah so 
you lose more and more more quickly, right? Yeah. So compound interest. Yeah. Not right? to be all doom a, and gloom, but <laughs> no. But I think somebody called compound interest the eighth wonder of the world, right? right. When you look at it, yeah, because it's it totally is. Um, you know, if you're earning ten percent on something, you earn ten percent the first year, but then the next year you're earning ten percent on the original amount you had plus that extra ten percent. Yeah. And use the rule of seventy-two. I don't know if you've heard of that, yeah. but if you divide your interest rate into seventy-two, that tells you how long it'll take for that amount to double. Right. Right. So. Um, and like what you put in. Yeah, the, your original capital. So when you look at it, it's like, wow, the, you know, the higher the interest, the quicker it will double, which is super cool. Um, but that also goes the other way with inflation because mm-hmm. inflation isn't just, uh, is not static, right? If inflation is at 5% a year, that also compounds negatively. Yeah. So if you have money in the bank, you're actually you know, losing that value at a compounded rate. So down to zero. um, Yeah. And like, to me, that's not very prudent. Well, it's also not a bad thing if you own debt because then the value of your debt. Exactly. Ooh, is that, are we explaining this properly? (laughs) No. Well, like, are we, are we explaining it in a way that people understand? Like how cool this is? (laughs) I don't know. That's their problem. (laughs) We're just talking. (laughs) No, but you're right. If you're listening out there. (laughs) And that's how screwed up the system is. That's why he's right that you want to accumulate more debt because your obligation actually decreases over time because it's, it's denominated at an increasing rate because it's denominated in dollars. So how can you get good debt, Mark? (laughs) You buy real estate and that's the whole, that's the whole point. (laughs) Should we leave it there and uh, wrap this up? No, I just want to like, I just want to hammer that point a little bit more that like once you, I think you're, you're obligated to understand the system that we're yeah. in. And once you understand it, then you have to act based on that. And, you know, what is prudent, what is risky. Becomes a different conversation. Yeah. Once you understand how our system works, um, I think it, it is not prudent. And it is risky to simply let your dollars, let your savings sit there. And, like, you need to have some savings, obviously, for, like, your rainy day fund. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, um, it's just, it's imprudent, actually, to, to just let it sit there. Yeah. And whether it's a GIC or something like that, right? Real estate is um, is a very prudent use of your funds. Yeah. And to me, yeah, biblically, like, it's, you look at the parable of the talents, right? And um, the master giving these out and... and you know, the one guy just buries it because he's, he's very risk averse and worried about losing it. And the other guys do stuff with it. Like that's, you know, that kind of speaks to me. We need to, yeah. we need to be prudent and we need to be, well, what we talked about, right? Good stewards yeah. with our money. Yeah, so sitting on it's not sand. good. And uh, real estate, as I think we've demonstrated, is probably the best way for regular people um, to make good investments and to, yeah. Yeah. Especially it's hands off. It's not a full-time job right in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there are a lot of benefits and, uh, yeah, it's eye opening. We start talking about this stuff and delving into kind of the history of money and like we've done in this mini series now, just talking about, um, what, what makes for sound money and what makes for money that, um, uh, will dilute over time. And, um, <clears throat> And yeah, how we can combat that. It's, yeah, it's definitely eye opening. I think, uh, I think people are going to be scratching their heads going like, how do we get here? (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, keep in mind, we're, we're talking, 
we're talking about one level of, of life sort yeah. of, right? The physical level yeah. where we need to provide for, for things, obviously it has nothing to, so many to say aspects. about the spiritual level of yeah. life because our treasure isn't here. Our treasure is in heaven, yeah. but we got to use the time and the yeah. resources that we have now wisely. And yeah. that's, uh, you know, yeah. talk to your minister about the other side of it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're not, uh, we're not dealing with that so much. Although there, like there is a tie-in, right? If if you are, and we've seen that wealthy, wealthy folks, um, even yeah, that you, we know in yeah, our churches are able to to help out others, and that is, uh, you know, spiritual giving includes financial giving. So yeah, um, I can leave it at that. I think. Yeah. Good. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll see you guys uh, next time. Hopefully we'll have a new topic that you all are, uh, really keen on listening to, but, uh, thanks for listening to this little mini series on the properties of sound money. Hopefully you glean something from it. And, uh, until next time, steward your wealth wisely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the two stewards show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely. Mm-hmm.